This right here is the Twib You are now listening to Twib FM. Real talk, real awesome. Alright, it's time to turn up in this bitch. Got these power-ups. I land in my ship, you can call me Picard. Check to the left, but the tunnel is small. Find my room, already the problem is solved. I can make my whole body turn into a bar. Yeah, I'm on the road. Like I'm jelly or I'm margarine in everywhere I go. Literally gone for a spin. When I get a missile in the midst of the mission, I feel so divine like I'm H to the Izzo. Better know your place if you get up in my grill. I've been a teacher, better lesson like I'm really Miss Frizzle. I can level whole worlds to hot cakes. Aunt your mama, act civil or I'll blow you up. Just call me J. Alpenheimer. Yeah, I'm a one woman army. Got a gun up on my arm like a Tommy. I'm a comma yummy yap with the long beam. Pop up like the bottles of a dime beat. When I'm hit by an enemy, I feel the pain. Killing me softly like Lauren Hazang. I'm dizzy, I feel like I sip purple drink. I get giddy when I see an energy tank. Shooting the bubble, I walk out the door. Looking for trouble, you already know. I got a new weapon, I'm ready to show. I'll be dropping a bomb while I tuck in a roll. I'm about to blow like a big leg. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. Thank you for tuning in. Tonight is our Nerdcore Podcast. And from the intro there, you can tell that this is the kind of show that we're going to be having. That was Samus's song, Power Ups. So definitely check out her music and all of the music of our guests here, including not only Samus, we also have Sky Blue and we have Shubzilla. Megaran um, is not on just yet. Hopefully he'll call in a little bit later, but um, Megaran is also a scheduled guest on tonight's show. So if you're listening in live, you can do a few things. You can use the hashtag BGM podcast that puts you into the feed with other live listeners and you can ask our guests questions, leave comments. You can also go to the twib.fm forward slash live is the link. And you can go to the chat room there and chat with other TWIB listeners there. And you can call in if you've got questions. The phone number is 718-404-9320. Again, the number is 718-404-9320. So before I get started, I just want to make a couple of announcements. It's just me tonight. Um, Always, 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 when you go to our website, it's blackgirlnerds.com, we have a right sidebar where we display blog ads and blog ads is where you can click on the link and you can um, advertise any good or service that you provide. And you can use that on your own terms and leave that ad as long as you want on the website um, and have any kind of display to your liking. So all of the funds for that helps go back into the website. It helps us with these podcasts and certainly appreciate everybody who has continued to support BGN through not only the blog ads, but also getting our merchandise through Zazzle. Zazzle.com forward slash blurredgasm is the link and you can purchase t-shirts. We've got coffee mugs. We've got mouse pads, tote bags with the BGN logo on there. So check that out um, on Zazzle.com forward slash blurredgasm. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our three guests that are on tonight, and then I will get started with the questions. Some of the questions that I'll ask on tonight's show 
are some of the questions that were also facilitated by uh, Jamila, our co-host, and also um, Shaka. So I just want to give credit for their questions um, and make sure that those get asked because they, they really wanted to be on tonight, but unfortunately they weren't able to make it. Um, so let's get started with our introductions. Samus is an upstate New York-based rap artist and producer with Congolese and Ivorian family roots. Since joining New Black Music Group in early 2012, she has released two Bandcamp best-selling albums. Her production is characterized by her use of uniquely chopped samples and video game-like sense. She has been called the rap Aisha Tyler by NTV Iggy because of her smart lyrics that often draw on her love of gaming. As her Metroid-inspired name reflects, it is her hope that listeners and future fans will be pleasantly surprised by the contrast between the person society says she should be as an artist and who she actually is. Sky Blue, also known as Mario Farrow, grew up in Auburn, Alabama, and is based out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He delved deeply into his craft, linking up with local MCs and producers. Taking his lyricism to the next level, Mario decided to change his handle to Sky Blue, Blue, B-L-E-W. His music is proving to be unique with an uplifting, powerful, and positive message in hip hop. Most say Sky Blue is a breath of fresh air. He pushes the boundaries with his music and brings new and unique flavor to the music world. He creatively incorporates video game and anime references, as well as themes, into his repertoire in a very unique way. Shubzilla is a rap artist from the Pacific Northwest. Along with her solo work, Shubzilla works with fellow Seattle artists Lex Lingo and Bill Beats as the electro rap group 9K1. No stranger to the stage, Shubzilla turned as a rap turned to rap as a creative after years of training as a dancer. She has never looked back, addicted to the fierce vocals that charge the audience. Remaining true to her former performance style, Shubzilla sets are high energy. Her lyrics inviting the crowd to participate and become part of the show. All of our panel tonight are also part of the NPC Collective, which stands for Nerdy People of Color. Thank you for coming on the show tonight, guys. Thanks oh, no for problem. having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs> so I am going to start my first question with Samus. And um, we actually met in person over at Geek Girl Con this past October. Awesome, awesome um, opportunity to meet you. So you perform live um, and you gave such an amazing performance for all of the attendees. And I love how you completely geek out over the popular NES game Metroid, which was a personal favorite of mine as well growing up. So what was so fascinating about Metroid that you made the name for yourself as well as, you know, you created this whole album dedicated to the protagonist um, with sound bites from the video game. What, what inspired you to do Metroid? Yeah, thanks so much. And I have to say it was wonderful to meet you in person, too. I was definitely fangirling really hard, and I was scared I was going to, like, creep you out. So every time <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it's her, it's her. Um, but Metroid really struck me for a lot of different reasons. Um, so when I talk about the game, I usually talk exclusively about Samus, but I want to take a moment to just talk about sort of my appreciation of the aesthetics of the game. Um, I've never been like a Disney princess type of girl. And when I say that, I mean, I like kind of darker themes and I don't like happy endings. I like ambiguity. I like discomfort. And I think Metroid was one of the first games that I ever played that filled me with this sort of 
weird sense of not knowing of isolation. It's a, it's a very dark game compared to like Mario, for example, um, with its blue skies and kind of green backdrops. Um, but in terms of the character of Samus, I really connected with her once I found out that she was a woman, which, um, spoiler alert, you find out at the end of the game <laughs> that after running around in this big armor suit that Samus is indeed a woman. Um, and as a child playing that game, it had never crossed my mind that the protagonist of this game could be a woman. And I, I really connected with the fact that it was presented in a way that didn't make it sort of a spectacle. So it, it was incredible because on the one hand, it showed me like women can do extraordinary things, but also that my being a woman didn't have to be like a definitive aspect of how my work is evaluated. Um, and that's the really key part of why I sort of took on this moniker um, because I started making beats before I even started rapping. And a lot of the time I would receive this kind of critique or this question with, did you really make your beats or who helped you? Um, which my male peers didn't necessarily receive. And so I, I was sort of dubbed Samus by a friend because in similar ways we pushed back against gendered stereotypes. Um, and to answer the last part of your question in terms of why make this Metroid project, um, so for those listening, I launched a Kickstarter campaign last November to raise funds for this Metroid-inspired EP. Um, and part of it was, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, but part of it was that I've been invited into these nerdcore spaces and I felt like I don't really have as much nerdcore content as I maybe want to have if I'm going to be performing at like cons and other events. But more importantly, it was a, a way for me to challenge myself as a rapper and a producer and to highlight that black girls and women inhabit these nerd and geek spaces just as much as anybody else. So there were a lot of reasons going into that. My favorite song on your album is the song that we actually had in the intro power ups on your album, another M. Can you tell us what the song is about? And do you have a personal favorite song on that album? Yeah, sure. So that song was actually the first track that I made for the entire project. Um, and I was really struggling with how I was going to tackle the subject matter of Metroid because, like, as much as I love the game, it's not the most dynamic. Um, you're kind of wandering around for a lot of it, just lost in this planet. And I was like, I can't have seven songs about being just lost. So um, I think whether you agree or not, rap is a musical genre in which swaggering about yourself kind of translates very easily and very well. So I was like, I just want to have a track where I'm just talking about how swagged out I am. And the best way to do that is to talk about all of these amazing power-ups that Samus picks up along the way. So I think that was almost the easiest track because it was, it's, um, it's easy and fun to talk about how cool you are. <laughs> and instead <laughs> of talking about, you know, my sexual exploits or my bank account, I could just swag out on how dope all of these sort of like bombs and armor and all that stuff that I'm picking up is. Um, and in terms of my favorite track, I would have to say it's probably May Jemison just because um, that track has served sort of like an educational purpose almost in the sense that a lot of people I encounter don't know who May Jemison is. And she's the first African-American woman um, in outer space and a, a personal hero of mine as a kid. I've gone to see her speak. My mom, like, fangirls out over her like she's just such an incredible person and um i named the track may jemison because i wanted to connect um this whole sort of sci-fi crazy world with my identity as a black woman and i think there are a lot of powerful women that i could have drawn on i could have talked talked about sally ride but i specifically chose the first african-american woman um in outer space just because um 
I, I think sort of in the sense that Black Twitter plays this role, it allows me to speak to a lot of different sides of my identity in one way. So it, it, I think Mae Jemison is probably the best representation of what I'm trying to do with the project. Nice. And this question is for, for Sky Blue. Um, you've opened up for acts such as Lupe Fiasco, Kendrick Lamar, Flowbots, Watsky, Slick Rick, Slum Village, and you've toured with Megaran. How did you break into the music industry and what was it about Nerdcore in particularly that fascinated you? Um, well, I mean, it, you know, of course it was very hard to do it, to, you know, get some of these shows and everything like that. But I mean, just perseverance, just like working super hard. You know, I would do like open mics a long time ago and then just performing in front of like all my um, my peers in high, high school. Um, uh, okay. Um, yeah, in front of like a lot of my peers in high school and everything. And then, you know, more shows started. I started to, you know, open up for people. And then I started to get bigger, bigger shows, open up for different people. And I tried to work on my performance and make sure it's like top notch and everything. So then they were called back. So then I started to open up for more people and more people and started to get a lot of, you know, listens and different fans and people to support me that way. And like, yo, we want to see you do this and that and, you know, and then uh, Megaran reached out and everything and said, it's time, you know, he was just like, you're blowing. So it's time for you to, you know, get out there and, you know, see these different people and go different places. And, and I was, you know, some of the best moments of my life when I went on that tour and everything. And now, you know, a lot of different things have opened up recently, you know, so i um, looking forward to the future. And um, I mean, as far as Nerdcore, you know, um, like I said, I don't really, you know, put myself in the box. I do a lot of different things. But as far as that, when I learned what the aspect of it was, I was just like, oh, I'm already doing this. Cool. So I just continued to keep doing what I was doing. And, you know, uh, I don't call it rap. I don't call it nerdcore. I don't call it hip hop. I just call it paint the sky blue. It's like a mixture of all kind of different things. But it's really dope because, you know, it's just like it's not the norm. It's not the stereotype, stereotypical rappers. It's just like swag and money and all this dumb stuff, you know, and it's just people that's being themselves, you know rapping about things they do on the daily and what they grew up on and stuff like that, which I was already doing. So I was just like, I'm all, I'm all for it, you know? Nice. I love that approach about just being yourself and not conforming to the status quo. That's kind of the motif for how I've built and created black girl nerds is just being your own person and embracing your eccentricities. So I really appreciate that. Uh, We actually have Megaran on. Hey, Megaran. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, hello. hello. <laughs> so let me give you your introduction and then I'll, I'll kick off another question. Mega Ran, also known as Random or Random Beats. Uh, if you put up video games, the 80s, hip hop music, soul music, jazz, and stand up comedy into a blender and hit puree, you'd have something close to the Mega Ran experience. The Penn State graduate and self proclaimed teacher, rapper, hero made waves by going way left of his backpack roots by combining 8-bit video game sounds and hard-hitting hip-hop tracks, and has become a trailblazer in the budding genres of chiptune and nerdcore hip-hop. Rand's first album, The Call, was a critical success, featuring tracks with some of the underground's most respected heads. Today, Random maintains a rigorous touring and recording schedule, traveling the world to entertain and educate through the gift of rhyme. With 3 million YouTube views, over 50,000 raised on Kickstarter, and a legion of smart art fans he calls Team Mega beside him, the future looks brighter than ever. 
Wow, thanks for coming on. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm a huge fan of you, the show, and of course, everybody here that's with us. So this is this is dope. We all get to sit down and chat. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> let me kick off the next question to you. you you're a teacher turned rapper. What inspired you to make the transition, and do you find that you've used many of the skills in teaching in your music? Um, I felt like it was, I did both for as long as I could. I was the teacher who moonlighted as a musician at night. Um, like a lot of, a lot of guys I knew who wound up in education, um, who just had, you know, dreams of making music, and I felt like teaching was definitely the best career for that because it offered you a lot of flexibility with evenings and weekends and summers to travel and play shows. So I always told myself I would do both for as long as I could do both well. And uh, something happened, I guess, around 2009, which set off a lot of things where the Mega Man stuff started happening. Um, I was getting a lot more show bookings and things like that, and I started missing a lot more class. And, um, and I taught middle school, and the one thing that I learned is that you have to, in order to be a great teacher, you got to be consistent. And uh, students at that age need that more than anything else. They need someone to be there every day. They need structure. And um, without me being there, you know what it was like when you were in middle school and a substitute teacher came in. I mean, it was a free day. So it was um, with me being out, missing shows and missing uh, days for shows, I came back and I found myself feeling like I just wasn't quite uh, connecting in the way that I wanted to, you know, and I was chasing one dream and leaving one behind and I was doing them a disservice. So, um, so I did it as long as I could again. And it wasn't until 2011 where I, I mustered the, the strength uh, and the courage and a mild modicum of uh, financial stability in order to take a leap of faith and, um, and try to chase my dream. And so I stepped away uh, in 2011 and um, started making music full time. But whenever I can, I still get back into the classroom and um, do some different peer, uh, all types of uh, students, um, mentoring and things. So whenever I can, I get back in there because I really miss the students more than anything. Uh, but your second question, though, is the best one because I use something every day that I picked up in the classroom. And uh, I was just telling somebody at a show the other day that if you can teach, you know, 11, 12 year olds, then you can definitely uh, reach, you know, full grown adults who maybe have had a couple of drinks in them and uh, have come <laughs> out. So so I, it's been it's been a great ride. But I feel like everything I've learned from stage show to, you know, to conversing after the show to call and response and crowd participation and everything that I've used in, in school. And learned at these really, you know, these far out seminars that we went to, um, they all come in handy once you hit the stage. So um, I'm really thankful that that was my path because I feel like it's made me that much more appreciative of my educational roots. Awesome. And Shubzilla, we also met at Geek Girl Con. Um, so yes. it was really a pleasure getting to connect with you. And I was so thrilled to meet you. And I remember we discussed briefly about where and how you deal with where you fit in um, as a Asian artist of color in nerdcore. So with nerdcore, is it is it exclusively hip hop or is it also pop? Where do you see where you fit in into the genre? Well, um, I guess with nerdcore, I consider it more of an umbrella term. So it's not just hip hop. It might be nerd rock, uh, nerd punk. 
Um, I know folk, nerd folk has their own term, which is filk. But for me, it's just a really, it's a really general term with, um, which basically means it's, you know, if you are nerdy and you are making music, nine times out of ten, you are nerdcore. And um, so it's not just exclusive to just hip hop or pop. Um, where I see myself, ah, oh, gosh, you know, I just kind of threw myself in and just was like, hey guys, I'm Shubzilla. I'm going to rap at you now. And I've, I've just stayed whether or not people wanted me to. I just, I just stayed. (laughs) That's awesome. And we got a question on Twitter and anybody can really jump in and answer this question. This is from Marmar 82. He says, I want to know if the artists on the VGM podcast are using video game music and have they tapped into the market of arcade games and overseas games? Hmm. Well, uh, I guess I would probably need a little more clarification on that, but I think um, arcades now are becoming, uh, at the same time, like simultaneously smaller and bigger than before. Um, the old arcades that we remember are pretty much extinct at this point. However, uh, the this has led to the advent of things like barcades. I don't know if you're familiar with this term, where, uh, where they're part bars, part arcades, and they're popping up in every city. So um, a lot of times they're retro themed because it's a, we're in a cool position where the things that we loved as a kid or as children, um, now that we're older, we're able to make those a part of our lives. You know, the, the video games, this is why comic movies are, are so huge because uh, we're the content creators, which makes that awesome. So now uh, I have done, I've started to do a bit more shows, appearances and partnerships with a lot of the, uh, the barcades in the scene. So, uh, so yeah, I'm working on that, as well as the overseas market. Wow, I never heard of barcades before. <laughs> I'd oh really like gosh. to go to that. <laughs> I've got. I, I may I interject real quick to give a sh- to give a special shout out to Mox Boarding House here in um, the Pacific Northwest area. They just opened up. They're in Bellevue, which is like 20 minutes east of Seattle. When y'all are back in Seattle, we're going there, we're playing a board game, mm-hmm. eating some food, having delicious cider, if that's your thing, oh, and I'm you so experience this. Also, <laughs> um, 8-Bit Barcade and Renton. <laughs> and the cider is really y'all. good, by the way, because it, yes. if it's the same cider that I had when I was at Geek Girl Con, then yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> it might <laughs> be. The, the Pacific Northwest is like, cider's aplenty, so I mean, gosh, probably, probably, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yes. I'm so down with that. Um yes. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I apologize. <laughs> well, no, this is stuff people need to know, so I'm glad you brought that up. That's good information. So this was a question from Shaka Cumberbatch. Um she wanted to toss this off to the ladies on the panel. Uh what's it like being a female in the nerdcore game? And do you come up against the same type of ingrained misogyny women face in comics, anime, and gaming spaces? Oh man! Uh, <laughs> okay, where do we start? Um, uh. um, well, it's it's funny because actually Shubs and I have had a lot of conversations about this. Um, when I was in Seattle, um, I've been there twice now, and both times it comes up. We talk about it um, and and brainstorm how to sort of uh, move forward in the genre. Um, so it's 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 a hard question to answer, I think, because 
I don't know what it's like to be a male in nerdcore, but um, in terms of coming up against in the ingrained misogyny women face in, in comics and in other kind of like game, um, geek spaces, it's definitely there. People make stupid comments. People say things to you that I, I don't think that they would necessarily say to like a Mega Ren or a Sky Blue. Um, and it, it's uh, challenging and demoralizing. Um, but at the same time, I think what we're doing is so important. I have had a lot of women write emails to me and say, you know, I never knew that this was possible. Thank you for making power-ups or whatever. Um, and so that's, I think in that way, it's awesome being a female in Nerdcore because um, there are so many women who you have the potential to impact and affect and, and share their stories just by being visible on a stage or being on the same bill as all of these other men who are doing it. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm hugely thankful for people like Shubs and Samus that there are women in the nerd scene because we have that, that stigma, you know, it's like, it's a guy thing. And that's, that's probably in hip hop in general. And, uh, and so when people see a woman, you know, I'm sure they get that. I'm sure you guys get all types of things like, Oh, that's cute. And then you yep. go up there and you like murder it. And there are people like, Oh snap, this is amazing. <laughs> so it opens the guy's eyes as well as the females who are there are just like, Whoa, that's so cool that someone's there that looks like me and is into the things that I'm into and makes it okay to be down with that. So I'm really thankful for, for you guys. Not to mention that you're talented. You know, I'm I'm super thankful for you guys for, for being around and being a part of that. Yay, thank you. Um one thing that I wanted to add, and it was so funny um that Rand had mentioned this, but I do get, you know, the oh my gosh, you're a rapper, that's cute type thing, especially when they first see the title of Hello Kitty Swag, and then the beat comes in, and then with the things that I rap about it, because I do swear, and I get, I guess, for lack of a better term, pretty swagged out about it, they're like, dang, I did not know Hello Kitty was that trill, though. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Santa, because <laughs> they made that, you know? But, right. um, <laughs> you know, in regards, in regards to, I guess, being a woman in the nerdcore uh, subgenre, you know, it's really interesting. There's a bunch of women now coming out of the woodwork and creating music and writing, and it's great to see. It's it's fantastic to see because you know we do women are great storytellers, and we do have we do have a point of view that is just as valid as our male counterparts. And who are we not to share that with our audience? You know what I'm saying? So. I'm just sorry to quickly add to that. I think um, what's really cool about being a woman in nerdcore is now um, we can give voice to so many characters that never had a voice before. So now yes. we can speak, you know what I mean? And, and um, all of these sort of women who have inhabited the games and comics and other stuff that we've loved for years, now we can make them speak to hip hop audiences and they've been silent before. So that's super cool. Heck yeah. I love that. Got another question from Twitter. Uh, this is from Mel Weezy. He says, "Do the artists feel like nerdcore is a derogatory term for their music? Because I sense a reluctance for them to own that term." <laughs> oh no, I'll own it all day. I mean, nerdcore, nerdcore, nerdcore. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, for me, it's um, it's just it's another way of describing what I do. You know, I 
I'm I'm a woman um, rapper. I'm you know I'm queer rapper. I'm a Pacific Northwest rapper. I'm a nerdcore rapper. So it's another adjective with which to describe what I do. And you know I am a nerd. I am pretty geeky. I mean I'm the I'm the merch manager for Geek Girl Con. So I mean I can't just be like Nah, man, nerdcore ain't me. You know I can't I can't with with any sort of integrity deny that label. Mm. Well, going back in a little bit of history from what I remember um, about Nerdcore, because first time I'd heard it was in 2007. Um, and a lot of the, the top guys, and of course, they were guys uh, in, the, in the genre, were uh, very reluctant and often fought against being called that and being lumped into that because there was a big argument about the, I guess, what it represented and what it, um, the overall... I guess, feeling of what people thought Nerdcore was. They assumed it was, you know, uh, geeky white guys who plugged in their Xbox Live headsets and made rap songs using that. And um, and I feel like because of that, a lot of people who had, you know, had prior years in, as, of experience of music or maybe study music theory who had, you know, been accomplished musicians didn't want to be lumped into something that looked like that or sounded mm. like that. And so that was a lot of it. And I've seen every one of the top guys have a have an issue with it or, or try to fight it, you know, from MC Lars to MC Chris. And, and eventually they all come back. You know, that's one thing I've noticed is that people realize that while you don't want to be lumped in, people need something to identify what we're doing. And I totally have accepted that, you know, and it's tough for me growing up, you know, from Philadelphia, from an um, from from a pretty rough area and coming up in rap ciphers and battle raps and things like that and then to say you're a nerd rapper people look at you like whatever you know and um but being able to own that and accept it and to be very confident about what you're doing and uh and putting the effort and the work behind it and the production values that show i think that lately the nerd the name the word nerdcore has has gotten such a great name because there's so much talent in it so uh you know it's something i fought with for a while but i don't feel like it's something that we need to run away from at this point. And just to jump in um, real quick, I sort of have put a spin on it where I've started calling myself a blurred core rapper um, <laughs> because I do want to sort of draw attention to the fact that so much of what I talk about and speak about is ingrained in my identity as a black woman. And mm. so nerdcore is, is cool. I like it, but I think as Shubs and everybody else has alluded to, it's just one of many layers. Like I like to think some of what I'm talking about is Afrofuturistic or, or however you want to categorize it. So it's nice to have a, you know, a little box to check off, but I, I do have some reluctance and I'm always asking myself what it means to have my music be called heard for. So I don't know. Mm. At the end of the day though, I feel like I wish we had more control over it, but we, we almost can't control what people are going to call it. You know, um, I've had the same issue. I've tried to call myself random and people call me Mega Rand. So, so it, it just it happens, you know. So at some point, the people somewhat adopt you and adopt what you do and what you're about, and what you stand for. And, uh, and you, you, you're given a title in that sense. And so I feel like that's if that's the word that that nerds need to find what I'm doing, then I totally understand that. And um, but, yeah, there are several different genres and sub-genres and sub-sub-genres in nerd music that um, 
you know, they're just peeling back the layers can be can be difficult. So it's it's good to give them something that they can uh, relate to. But uh, since we are talking about the history, I have to shout out MC Front a lot, who actually created the term nerdcore. Um, and it was just Yay. the name for something that he was creating. He's he's the OG. He's the he's the godfather, <laughs> the final boss of uh, of this thing called nerdcore. And it was just he just wanted a word for what he was doing. He was a guy who was writing code and rapping about writing code, you know, and it was like, whoa, I'm, I'm going to call it Nerdcore, you know, and that's, that's really where it came from. Uh, it's, it's really expanded since then, but, uh, you know, just always got to give shout out to the, uh, the progenitor. Awesome. That's good. Good to know. I got another question on Twitter and I want to toss this question to Sky Blue. Um, this question is from Lakia P, Pirate Jenny on Twitter. She says, I've always been curious about a musician's process. How do you build a song, music first or lyrics? Uh-oh. Uh, well, sometimes for me, it's like I can just be doing random things and I just pull my phone out or notepad and start writing. And then later I find a beat and then I start to form the concept around it. But um, but now I've been just trying to write two songs more. Like I hear the melody and I, I like to, you know, it ain't just rapid for me. Like I have a lot of like bridges and sing parts, singing parts on my songs and stuff. So I like to sit and like listen to the beat thoroughly and write to it in, in depth, you know, so it ain't just, I can't just like, uh, just randomly write like I was before because now I'm trying to form actual songs and not just me coming across just spitting all the time, you know, so it's just like, it depends on how I'm feeling, but like, if it's a serious, very serious project, I definitely will make sure, I probably had a concept first, I probably just put it in my phone or something just randomly, like when I'm doing something like, oh, let me make a song about this. And then a few lines may come to my head, so I just like jot them down. But like later, I get to the beat and everything, and I start to write it. You know, think of a concept. I mean, think of a chorus and everything like that, and then just finish it just like that. You know. I think it depends for me. It, it all depends. I hear an amazing beat, and I'm like, oh, I gotta do this, and then I'll just sit down and write. But if I'm on a train or a plane or a bus, and I'm just getting ideas, and I just start jotting things down. Um, so it really depends, music or lyrics. Um, I don't know, but I find my best stuff is when I sit down with a beat and a concept ready to go and and create the whole thing. Sometimes it has to be in one sitting for me. Like if I don't finish it in a night, sometimes I'll throw it away because I don't want to interrupt that train of thought because I think that's the best stuff sometimes. So I'm kind of weird with that. It's kind of hard because I sing opera too. Oh, wow. What? Oh, what? What? No. Wait, 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 wait. Record scratch. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm I'm trying to put together the first rap opera album, but I'm not gonna be rapping. I'm gonna be singing what? rap lyrics. My mind just got blown just now. Wow. Like a hip opera. I mean, you know, you just gotta you gotta do something different sometimes. You know, I can't just be rapping all the time. Right. You know. Oh. And I'm gonna try to put together a salsa nerdcore album too. What? Oh. Yeah, you honor Keep taking Nerdcore to another level. This is great. <laughs> oh, like, Hashtag salsa. Hashtag salsa. Nerdcore. How about that? Let's do that. Salsa core. Salsa core. Okay, well, this question is um, from Jamila of Girl Gone Geek. She wanted to know Is your nerdcoreness happenstance or deliberate? For example, do you make sure your lyrics include geeky references on purpose, or does it just end up that way? Heck no. I think that's the worst thing you can do. That's like 
that's almost like being fraudulent and 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 unofficial and that's whack to put it blank uh i don't like that i think that what we do like if i wrote a rap and i'm like oh man it's not nerdy enough let me go back in there and do a little bit of you know what i mean let me let me throw in some more sonic the hedgehog like uh, that that's whack but um but it's just so much a part of what i think of what i am and i think what we all are that it comes out you know like metaphors just just come out you know what i mean uh i was with a good friend of mine who's not even a nerdcore artist but uh he's an amazing rapper and and uh he said a line and i was just like oh my god he said after something about after after you rap the crowd is split like a dragon ball after granting a wish or something like that and i was just like why did i think of that so when when something like that happens i'm just like wow and it wasn't even necessarily him trying to dig for a nerdy reference it was just who he was just coming out into in the art so so yeah absolutely as far as uh myself i can say that it's it's definitely just part of who we are you know i mean we, oh you go ahead no you're fine you're fine go ahead i talk a lot i mean a lot of times uh, a lot of times when you when you do that if you try to think about it too much and it comes out as trying too hard and you can notice it in the songs it's just like yeah. everything 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 is reference 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 sometimes part of being yourself is not forcing it just do what's natural you know so I definitely like a lot of my songs are like about life and everything you may hear some nerdy references in there and then the next song it may be a whole concept off of a video game or something but I definitely think it's it's you should focus more on just not trying to overdo it you know just just do it just be natural with it you know they're trying to it'll it'll show honestly if it's not if it's not authentic and that's the best thing about being a, a nerdy artist or just a, a, an artist that's confident and comfortable with their nerddom is um the crowd and the fans that 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 appreciate it they love it for not just because of the beat or because of the reference but they love it for the authenticity and um you know true nerds can spot a, a counterfeit a mile away mm-hmm. you know what i mean you don't want to be the guy who's like talking about zelda but you really mean link you know what i mean right like, and get, get cut <laughs> off <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't want to get caught out there. That's like the worst. <laughs> so we got another question from Twitter, and this is to anybody here on the panel. This is from sfoots.com. I'm RJ from sfoots.com. Ask them, would they ever sign to a major label or stay indie? Oh, no. Um, I, actually... I guess I... Oh, I'm so sorry, Shots. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just real quick. I'm I'm one to do hella research on something. So if somebody were to come up to me with like, "Hey, here's a record deal," I would I would ask my dad, who was a former attorney, to like grab his attorney friends and be like, "I don't know what any of this legal jargon is," and then I would ask the NPC Collective fam, you know, what their thoughts were, and I I would go through like a like practicality speaking, I would just go through this like long, long, long process of thinking and soul searching and really weighing out the options. Um, I feel like where I am with my music, I don't, I don't think I'm there yet. So I'm just going to stay being an indie artist because that's, that's fun. And a lot, it's, it's given me a lot of freedom. Um, I think if, in this day and age, if I were big enough that majors were knocking at my door, then I wouldn't want to sign with them because I was at a certain level. Um, 
so I just I don't know I'm already part of a, a few music collectives and I love the sort of freedom and flexibility there and and feeling the love between different artists who are doing it because they love the music um and so I just I have a family member who signed to a major label and I think based on his experience and and everything that I've seen even with you know Trinidad James and other artists who are on labels and basically they <laughs> you know they're, they're not <laughs> able to to um make it into a lucrative thing I think it's always better to stick with being on a uh, an indie label um but that's just me Well um I have kind of two, I've been conflicting and fighting about this for years. I've always said, man, I want to do it myself. Uh, but at some point you get to a point where um, the movement is um, often driven and, and stalled by the, by funds or the lack thereof. And so that's the only thing I would even consider talking to a label about is not necessarily record promotion, but more distribution. And, and expanding our reach is something that I would listen to, you know, more of a distribution type of a situation, uh, more like, I guess, Macklemore's thing where, you know, you, you come to the table with your fan base and you just want to utilize some extra capital to get further. Uh, I, and if I think, honestly, I used to, I remember, I'm going to use Ruben Stuttered as an example. I don't know why, but I had, um, <laughs> I remember hey. when his album came out, Ruben did, um, you know, and, and he came from a gospel background. And I use this because I used to be a gospel rapper, which a lot of people didn't know. But um, when when he uh, got on American Idol, a lot of people, like even in his church, were like, oh, man, he's going to be doing that secular devil music. And, um, <laughs> and that's usually the first thing people think. But it's like, man, I'm going to be on the biggest stage in the world and I get to reflect my message. You know what I mean? And this is a good thing. And so I think he got like one of the gospel dudes to to be on his album. And I was like, man, how dare these people? And people just got super judgy Christian on it. And um, and they were like, why would you get this person on your album? Why would you agree to do that? But it's like this person, the same Ruben Stuttered, called you because he knew what you were doing. He knew you did gospel. He knew what you were about. He didn't call you to change what you were doing. You know what I mean? And I look at that. I guess the same thing's kind of happening with Lecrae, where I saw a picture with him in E40, and people got really excited, like, oh, my God, they're making music together. What's that mean? You know, but uh, I think when someone calls you because of what you do and because of you being positive in a positive light and asks you to bring that positivity to their situation, it's not necessarily a bad thing. So if a label called uh, Sam is Tomorrow, it would be because, one, she's dope. And because she's intelligent and nerdy and not expecting her to make a gangster rap album. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which I so, do. <laughs> right. I'm sure she got some gangster in her. But <laughs> I think, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, but I don't, I, I just look at it like just, just looking at it from both perspectives. Like if they call you, it's because they want what you're doing to be seen by more people. And it's not necessarily that they want to change you. Um, and so it's, I don't know. I've heard so many stories. I know people oh, who have major contracts and hate it mm, dude. and are begging to be dropped, begging to be Trinidad James. You know what I mean? So, uh, so, you know, but I think that rub that Trinidad James got, for example, from Def Jam will sustain him for the rest of his life. You know what I mean? And so therefore it doesn't necessarily create 
long time stability, but if he's smart, he can create that on his own. And that's my spiel on labels. <laughs> Sky Blue, were you going to jump in and add something to that? Um, I mean, I'm not going to say too much, but the fact of the whole major and independent thing, I mean, I guess it's cool. You know, you get a lot of new publicity. You get some money up front that you definitely got to pay back with interest. And then, you know, you, just, you find yourself in a hole. And most of these labels are only signing 360 deals now, which is taking money out of everything that you have. So, I mean, I'd just rather just be broke right now. I'm cool. I mean, a little, <laughs> yeah. a little money, a little money coming from, you know, here and there maybe maybe somebody bought an album or something i'm i'm cool with that you know i'm content i could buy some candy and stuff i'd rather not you know just do that right now i mean no 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 offense to anybody that's like major and everything but most of the people that's like major that's like signing major labels are not happy they will trade it in for independent anytime they get a chance to so if you see that many people not being happy i just rather stay happy you know yeah true uh, we got a question from the Seventh Matrix. He wants to know what other artists would the panelists love to collaborate with. Ooh, can I answer this one real quick? Because I already know. Like, okay, this is—they're not even nerdcore. They're not even rap. They're Hall and Oates. Seriously, yes. if, they're, if they're listening right now, like <laughs> everything your heart desires is my jam right now. Please, please find me on Twitter. Um, would love to get together with at least Daryl Hall to like think of a really awesome hook. Um, I I would retire if that's if <laughs> if he was like, hey, I'm Daryl Hall and I would love to collab with you. Be like, guys, that's it. I'm done. I'm I done. It's been, it's been it's been wonderful. Man. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, man eater. Okay, man eater. Exactly. That I would can't be go for that. Come on now. Epic. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was. <laughs> oh my. God. Gosh, I, I would cartwheel right now, but I got earphones on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Wow. Oh, man. Um, gosh, I guess within, I don't know, I guess within Nerdcore, I've probably worked with pretty much everybody. Um, I need to continue to do that. And there's still more folks that I'll hope to work with. Um, but in hip-hop, MF Doom is my my rap hero. Um, I would love to work with Doom. Oh, man. I think that me and him can make some amazing things. Um, I would love to get the entire Wu-Tang Clan on an album. That would be great. Oh, <laughs> one song. It would be, be pretty epic. Because I don't think anybody's ever done that. Like, how do you get the whole Wu, you know? Yeah. So that's like power move status, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Man, outside of that, Stevie Wonder is is uh, at the top of my bucket list. Um, so yeah, those are my those are mine. I I got my whole dream album ready. Um, <laughs> and I, I I got it I got it planned out of how I'm gonna do it. Um, so first I got to find the Dragon Balls. Then I have to wish back some people. So like Marvin Gaye and Amy Winehouse, I will wish them back first. And um, I probably have to find refine them to wish somebody else back. But I'll have them on my album. I have Marvin Gaye and Amy Winehouse do a duet with Lauren Hill with Q-Tip wow. producing it. Um, oh. What? Yeah, I, I'm serious. I have my album ready. <laughs> He's like bringing people back from the dead. And uh, I, I figured out how oh my to God, do it. This, I this, Dragon Balls to do this. But you know, wow. I gotta do that. And you know, mm -hmm. I would have like some. Keep rock production. I'll bring back Nijabes, who's my favorite Japanese yes. producer. He's amazing. So I'll bring him back. He'll produce most of the album for me. 
and I will have Dave Chappelle doing the skits and the narration for the album. <laughs> Lauren Hill will be the main vocalist that's singing on most of the songs. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <sighs> wow. That's a Good. deep album. I can't wait for that to come out. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Necromancy, and you were probably going to need Bill and Ted to like with their like phone booths to like get those people back. <laughs> we got Sorry, a- I'm like blown away right now. I got to sit back and just reflect myself. That would be crazy, right? I ain't even gonna rap on it. I'm just gonna put that together for them. Wow. Rise from your grave and do this EP or LP. (laughs) We got a really good question from Twitter, friend of the show. This is from Geek Soul Brother. He says, what does the Nerdcore panel think about the HBO Game of Thrones mixtape that came out earlier this year? I had some issues. Major issues with that. Yeah. I had major issues. Um, On top of the... (laughs) I don't know. This is nerd pandering at its finest. And um, I was, I was yes. really upset about that. Yeah. Um, and in general, you know, and I said that nerds are smart. We can spot a counterfeit. I would hope that, you know, no one fell for that. But who knows? But um, there's a nerdcore artist by the name of Adam Warrock who made a Game of Thrones nerd rap album like two years before that. So I thought that was kind of weak. It was like, let's reach out for those people of color and let's get them to tune in. Hmm? Let's speak their language. Yo, 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 Game Hmm? of Thrones. And so I I was really, really upset. That's really what it felt like to me. It reminded me of, uh, I mean, there's just so many of them. I don't want to talk about too many of the nerd nerd cash grabs that go on. (laughs) Big Bang Theory. But, uh, Uh uh, but... (laughs) But anyway, we're we're smarter than that. But I, right. it really disgusted me when I when I heard it. I was like, "This is this is terrible." And it could be the best rapping ever, but I will never ever listen to it. Yeah. All right, in rant. <laughs> I yeah, I I wrote a blog post about it. It, it was definitely pandering. Um, you know, sadly, HBO their creative team is there's not many people of color. I don't think there is any people of color on their marketing department, and um, it definitely felt like wow, this, you know, the only way to reach people of color is through hip hop. And, uh, and, and that's the reason why we watch Game of Thrones, or that's the reason why we would feel inclined to watch Game of Thrones when really we were watching Game of Thrones all along. So you didn't need to use hip hop to get us to watch the show. But uh, I want to know how many people started watching it because of that. Like, come on, like, (laughs) probably none. Probably none. Or maybe one person. Like, it it wasn't a huge, you know, draw of folks because of that. They squandered their money. I I didn't. I slept on on that whole thing and I guess it's a good thing but now I'm gonna listen to it and and see what the hubbub is and I will I got I'm kind of notorious amongst my friends for like my my little rants on Twitter and Facebook so that might occur live listening with Shubzilla rant fest 2014 um so so we'll see I've I will prepare my heart but if you guys aren't feeling it chances are I might not as well (laughs) <laughs> I just don't feel what it's about. I don't even know. I mean, they got talented rappers on it, but I just oh. could, didn't feel the the idea. They probably yeah. paid those guys tens of thousands of dollars to do that, mm-hmm. and it's so ridiculous. They could have got 
real nerd artist to do it for free and had a great right. time. Like, right. That's so ridiculous. And it would have had so much more of an impact. Yep. Like, uh, just just like the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie with that oh, Turtle Power song. That oh, song. Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God. No, I no, forgot no, about no. that. No, I mean, erase, erase, erase. Okay, we, we just don't. Uh, <laughs> and that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> okay, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> Hashtag emo side. I think it's up there with that mixtape. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're on point with that one. Oh, man. This question is for the ladies of the panel. Um, This was from Shaka. She says, do you feel that being a woman in Nerdcore has given you any particular advantages or disadvantages? And what are some of the challenges that you face? Oof, not sure about advantages or disadvantages. I know one of the, I know one of the challenges I do often face, um, especially early on when I was starting out, is I tend to write a lot of vulgar things, explicitly vulgar. Like I have a song called "Baby Steps" where I talk about demanding a baby for my husband. True facts, and people, people heard that and did the concern troll thing where they're like. Oh, I'm afraid Shubzilla is going to pigeonhole herself. She keeps talking about dudes and sex and, you know, she doesn't, you know, I don't think she'd want that for herself to be considered that like perverted artists all the time. You know, when you have dudes do, basically doing the same thing and they like not an eye is batted, you know what I mean? So if anything, I see the double standards in terms of content. Totally. Um, I can second that in terms of, um, I mean, everything. It's, it's even in terms of how you dress. Like, I remember oh, yeah. Dean Gray, she was on Twitter, and she had tweeted a picture of her in, like, a dress. And for anyone who follows her or knows what she's about, like, sometimes she doesn't dress like that. Sometimes she's in other kinds of clothes, and sometimes she dresses up. But people were freaking out. They were like, oh, I didn't know you were into that. I thought you were a tomboy. Like, what's going on? Are you real? Are you? Like, people were losing their minds because she had on a a damn dress and i think it's because seriously get put into boxes so easily that it's like well you're this type of rapper you're a conscious rapper so how dare you talk about your genitals you're a (laughs) 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 type of rapper so why you thinking deeply about anything outside of your body and it's it i agree that in terms of content i've even limited myself because i was like well if i talk about this then nobody will ever push past this one song and, and I really had to struggle with myself to decide if that's the type of listener I have, then I don't really need them listening to my stuff anyways. Um, but I do think, um, not necessarily an advantage, but again, what's cool about being a woman doing this is I do think it piques people's interest. I do think they're like, wait, what, who is this? Why are they, why is she even here? But, um, you know, after they're, they sort of had that initial curiosity, then, Shubs and I and whoever else goes on and, you know, goes crazy. And then they're kind of, you know, they're fans. But I think it's nice to, um, I think people are drawn in by the fact that there's a woman doing this just by purely by their curiosity. And, you know, our content keeps them. And this question was from Jamila. She asked, what do you think about the growing geeky references in non-nerdcore rap songs? Do you think it's generational or the growing popularity of geek culture? I like to think it's generational. Um, uh, it's it's a thing that like I kind of alluded to earlier that as we get older, as hip hop gets older, as music gets older, um, the things that we love become, you know, 
the norm now, you know, I was at a restaurant in an airport and like all the, the photos on the wall, the portraits were like comic book covers and things. And I'm like, this would have never happened 10, 15 years ago. It was so strange. Um, but you know, nerd culture's everywhere. So I don't know. I would like to believe that it's generational. It's just like, that's our, that's our old school. These are our oldies, you know? So I feel like it's, and as I said, as we are older and working and doing cool things and being the content creators, we now dictate what's, what's hot, what's there, what's everywhere. So, um, I would like to believe that it's a generational thing and not people just kind of cashing in and, you know, just seeing like, oh my God, Avengers is the number one movie ever. Uh, let me talk about Spider-Man now, you know, right. things like that. <laughs> you know, I would like to believe, and I don't know, maybe it's my, me and naive, but I think it's generational. Yeah. I think it's it's great. I'm I don't want to be a hipster about it. I say bring it on. If you want to talk about geeky nerdy stuff, that's awesome. The one thing that I would say is that I would challenge artists who are sort of picking up who are not really nerdcore but love drawing on nerd and geek themes that they then have a responsibility to be engaged in issues that affect people in those communities in the same way that Azalea Banks dragged Iggy Azalea or Igloo Australia, however you want to say it. Sounds community And engaging actively with those issues. If you want to talk about geek and nerd stuff, then you should be at the front lines talking about Gamergate and how messed up it is about all of the, the sort of, um, tropes that um, invalidate women's experiences. So my only thing would be that if you're going to engage in sort of these themes and topics, then you need to be there across the board. Mm. Well, Amen that. sure. well, we're gearing up towards the end of the show. So I wanted to end by having each of you just um, giving us your shout outs, uh, where we can find you on Twitter, your websites, and if you guys are touring or making any appearances where we can find you. So we will start with Samus, Shabzilla, Megaran, and then Sky Blue. All right. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Um, I'm going to be at MAGFest this year for the first time. I'm really excited. I think Megaran's going to be there um, and just gearing up for the next year. Um, and in terms of where you can find my stuff, it's all samusmusic.com, S-A-M-M-U-S music, 2M, so Nintendo doesn't sue me. Um, and <laughs> all of my stuff at samusmusic, facebook.com slash samusmusic, all that good stuff. Shout out to New Black Music Group, my independent label. That's awesome. Um, thanks again. All right. So um, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Shubzilla MC, the, number, uh, the letters MC. Twitter, which I see some of you have already taken advantage of, at Shubzilla. And also you can find my music um, on shubzillamusic.bandcamp.com or noirgrime.bandcamp.com. Klopp, I know you're listening in, so you get a shout out. And also shout outs to my homies, Lux Lingo and Bill Beats for just being, being fun. Also, hi, Aaron. Sup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard him, but he was straight up like, sup. Oh, we heard sup. him. Aaron. Oh, nice. Nice. They heard you. They totally heard you. <laughs> what up, Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Megaran. Oh, that's be me. Okay. Um, thanks so much for having me. Uh, anybody that's listening can catch me online uh, at megaran.com. It's like Mega Man, but with an R in there. Um on Twitter, it tends to look like Meg Ryan when it's all bunched together. <laughs> but um, 
but I, I'm not Meg Ryan. It's Mega Ryan. And um, uh, you can get me on Facebook uh, forward slash Mega Ram Music. Um, on YouTube, also Mega Ram Music. I'm on Instagram on Random Beats. I couldn't get Mega Ram because some girl named Megan beat me to it and she won't give it up. But um, <laughs> anywhere you type in Mega Ram, you should be able to find me. I'll come calling or responding with, um, with bells on. Thank you. <laughs> and Sky Blue. Oh, okay. Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) were you tweeting? Oh yeah, you know, I'm just you know talking to the people and everything. But uh, if you want to find me, you know, you can just look up and sky. I'm up there, um, always on the cloud somewhere. Uh, Yeah, I just want to thank everybody for listening and everything. It was fun, you know. Uh, Shout out to you guys for uh, reaching out, you know, supporting people that's out there, you know, just supporting good music and people who just want to be themselves, you know? Um, I don't have, I guess I got a few shows coming up in uh, January. Actually, dang, I have a lot of shows coming up in January. So uh, instead of, if you want to, you know, just find out, just uh, go to facebook.com slash sky blue music. All right, check it out. It's capital S lowercase, lowercase K Y capital B lowercase L E W all one word, no spaces, no little nothing. Just, Capital S, capital B, all together, you know. And I was just, you know, it's my name, you know, it's my identity. I just want to make sure, you know, everybody get it right. And, uh, <laughs> yes! Get it right, y'all. Get it right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And, uh, shout out to the world, you know. Shout out to you guys. Uh, shout out to love. That's what we need. So, everybody's listening. Tell somebody you love them, you know, because you never know who needs to hear that. So, yeah. And, uh, you just hit me up on Twitter. I got, I'm going to tweet my new project, uh, so Sky Blue's a modern life. Yeah. Thanks, right. Sky Blue. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was a really great show. A lot of folks on Twitter were really excited to hear you guys. We learned a lot of new stuff. And uh, please definitely always keep me posted on um, new projects that you're working on. I'd love to blast it out on the Black Girl Nerds website. So thank you. Awesome. Sweet. Oh, definitely. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. So we are going to be on a two-week hiatus for the holidays. You know, Christmas is coming up. New Year's is coming up. So our next show will not be until next year. That will be January 4th of 2015. But guess what? You have a big show ahead of you. So January 4th, mark your calendar. If you are a fan of Blackish, we will have guests Marcus Scribner, Miles Brown, and Marcy Martin, who play... Andre, Jack, and Diane on our podcast. We're waiting to hear back from Yara Shahidi's people. Um, Yara, she plays Zoe, um, but Yara has stated on Twitter that she's interested, so hopefully she'll be on the show, which means we'll have all of the kids from Blackish on the next Black Girl Nerds podcast. So tune in for that. That won't be until January the 4th of 2015, and you can always listen in to our shows on twib.fm. On our Black Girl Nerds podcast, we do a rerun on Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you guys again, and uh, we will see you guys next year. Take care. Bye. Bye. Peace.
Mega Rand, Slop Funk Dust, yeah.